Hi, Michaela. Hi, Steve. Today I'm going to be asking you viewer questions about pleasure, sex, and the erotic. The first of those is, would you consider pleasure to be a spiritual practice? Mm. Um, the short answer is, it could be, yes, pleasure can be a spiritual practice. Um, but I want to say a few things about that. First of all, I think we should define pleasure not only as sexual pleasure, simply because that's way too reductive. I know for a lot of people, pleasure is specific to uh, their sexual organs and to the sexual or erotic um, aspects of life. But I think pleasure can be seen much, much wider. And one of the ways um, that I often talk about pleasure is, of course, the pleasure or the sense, the sensory enjoyment of the five senses, which is often, you know, uh, what sensuality really is. And the, the kind of transition between sensuality and sexuality or um, you know, the, the kind of um, sensual aspect of sexual pleasure or sexual aspect of sensual pleasure is um, sometimes looked at as an odd thing. Some people make a very big distinction where one thing is just enjoying the senses and the other thing is sex. For other people, it's the same. So the way I kind of look at that is that anything that gives us enjoyment and aliveness in the body as well as and the emotions and the mind could be pleasurable. And that could be anything from uh, a beautiful sunset to um, a, a cup of tea we really like and anything else in between that comes through the five senses, one or the combination thereof. And that's kind of a really beautiful sensory engagement with life and the aliveness um, that's always available. And then, of course, that sensual aliveness and all the sensory input ties right into the sexual pleasure, which uh, it might be a little bit more sexual organ and also um, perhaps interacting with somebody else uh, specific, but it still has the five senses involved. It still has the tasting and the touching and the feeling and the smelling and the seeing and hearing um, with it. And also the more open the body is already through the senses, the deeper and fuller the sexual and erotic pleasure will be. So I want to say that first. So then why um, can we say that uh, pleasure can be a spiritual practice? Well, in the very classic sense, we can, uh, the classic tantric sense, I should say, we can say that a full engagement with life is a spiritual practice because it's a full engagement with everything, including uh, the very overtly and uh, spiritual, right, where there's a deity involved or a concept or uh, the the universe as a, 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 you know, as some kind of a concept, but much more immediate, um, I would say there is that opening of the body and the heart when we engage fully with life and with that fully with the senses and fully with the body, and then the body as a vehicle for um sexual expression, sensual expression, life expression. So I think there's a huge um, potential for uh, a very beautiful spiritual unfolding in pleasure. And I would uh, just say that it's good to start very much at the ground level and be able to see the making of the cup of tea or the giving of a cup of tea to somebody as much of a 
spiritual engagement than some very formal sexual spiritual practices that some people prescribe. I think it starts way, way earlier because um, it's much more important to be able to live life moment by moment as an offering and as a devotional activity and not just uh, sit down for some kind of a sex ritual as, as part of a spiritual practice. Even though that's also possible, and there's, of course, lots of that out there in the world, uh, but I think it can start a much, much simpler. And then the last thing I want to say about spiritual practice, practice and pleasure, is that, of course, uh, pleasure as much as any other activity can be practiced and can be learned. Um, all the things that happen in our body and all the, the skills we can acquire are acquired through repetition. And so pleasure as a repetition is equally uh, valuable as a skill development and as a habit pattern forming activity than any other activity. So, you know, when people do meditation every day or they do yoga every day, a big aspect of that is the practice of doing it and repeating it again and again and getting those habit patterns into the body and opening the body in a certain way. And the same is true with pleasure. If somebody wants to have a pleasure practice, spiritual or otherwise, the most important aspect here is the repetition. And within the repetition, there's a certain kind of a container as well. So it's good to have that connection and the devotional connection to everyday activity and sensory aliveness and sensual pleasure and sexual pleasure. And then there is the skill development of opening the body to pleasure and opening the heart to the divine that can be practiced in kind of a very regular practice way, meaning 10 minutes once a day or uh, 20 minutes every other day or whatever. So it's regularity and it's a beginning and an end and a very specific activity within that so that um, you can tell if you're actually in a practice and where you can tell if the practice is opening things or if you have contractions that through the practice get illuminated that you can work with. And in a pleasure practice, it's very apparent because there's kind of a somewhat measurable um, result, so to speak, the measurable result being that the body and the heart are more open, that there is increased sensory, sexual, and it's a universal full-bodied pleasure or not. And so when we practice with the vehicle pleasure, we can then delineate from the daily practice every other day practice, what still needs to be done? Does the body need to be limbered up? Um, maybe you're not getting enough sleep. Maybe you are too uh, tight or tense or stressed to actually feel anything. All of that will then be determined in the practice and can be worked with. Well, that's very interesting. So you're saying that because one's practicing regularly, then one's practice can almost be diagnostic as to what's going on in life or where your body is at day to day because the practice is regular so any fluctuations and changes you'll, you'll, you'll be able to take stock of those or or get used to what your normal range of feeling is or your range of stress etc what are the sorts of things that regular practice like that can track 
well, you mentioned pretty much all of them, but I, you know, just to kind of be specific, uh, let's be very specific, right? So let's say somebody decides, because that's what we're talking about right now, you know, to have a pleasure practice. Um, and it's always good to have a solo pleasure practice before even continuing or considering um, with a partner, right? It's it's really good to have that depth of connection with one's own pleasure as a tool for empowerment, as well as a kind of skill development tool. So let's just say somebody says, okay, 10 minutes each day, they are going to do a pleasure practice where they are touching their body in a pleasurable way that could be genital touching or just you know general touching i'm not going to specify that but some kind of pleasure practice where for 10 minutes pleasure is uh, invoked in the body in various ways so when that happens um, let's say i do that every morning after um, i wake up and you know have tea and do my usual stuff I I'll decide I'm going to do 10 minutes of a very specific practice. Then in those 10 minutes, the body gets to practice and meaning the body gets to experience pleasure that, and I'm uh, practicing how to give my body pleasure, right? Those are the two ways to say it. There's me cognitively um, working with my entire system on producing pleasure and there's my system opening to pleasure and then of course if it's a spiritual practice we would probably add a general devotional um, disposition towards the chosen form of the divine so that's that's beyond the pleasure practice into the devotional spiritual practice and that's quite normal as uh, you know pretty much anybody has experienced at some point, often when people have extreme pleasure, they say things like, oh God, you know, or it, it's a spontaneous opening of body and mind that's there, that's automatically devotional or spiritual, or they say the name of their partner or, you know, things of that nature. So 10 minutes, um, I'm, I'm experimenting with giving my body pleasure, my body gets to practice pleasure, so to speak. And the reason I'm making that distinction is that the body and its systems, including the nervous system, functions on repetition. So when we do practice, we are working with repetition as a tool for uh, deepening practice or for deepening experience and skill. So I'm doing 10 minutes, I am working on having more pleasure. So that's the, that's the primary, let's say, focus. Now though, what happens next is I can track while I'm doing that, my general state. So for instance, if I'm coming to the practice after having done 50 emails, I can probably tell that my body isn't quite as alive or responsive. I might feel numb. My mind might still be in email land. So I kind of drift off while trying to have pleasure. Or um, I might feel a certain kind of a tension in some part of my body. So I can use that information on one end to practice relaxing my body into pleasure and becoming better at that so that because that happens, right? We have email and then we want to have pleasure. But I can also note, oh, probably a good idea not to 
uh, go straight into pleasure and pleasure practice and pleasure activities after email. Let's experiment with a transition time. Maybe I first need to move my body or do some hip circles or some nonlinear movement. So there's that. Or um, it could also be the opposite that I'm doing the pleasure practice after having had a nice conversation with someone or gardened a bit or had a really pleasant phone call with somebody I like or, you know, had a particularly delicious breakfast. Um, and my body is from the get-go a lot more open and my mind's, uh, you know, kind of focused on, on the pleasure and my emotional state is one of softness and, and just the kind of joy. So that's also something to note, to go, okay, well, when I have a good breakfast, a nice conversation, um, I played with the animals, I went to the garden, I watched the sunrise, my body is more available for pleasure. So we can definitely track what happens uh, around um, and how that affects the practice. And with that, of course, how that would affect um, actual you know, engagement in real life, so to speak, outside the practice uh, setting. This goes for everything, um, including sleep, food, what kind of food or not, um, you know, um, outside stressors, um, activities, things of that nature. Then the next thing, and this is also true when people want to have a more, let's say, structured sexual engagement as a, as a couple, which uh, we have, I know, lots of questions about. Right? One of the things that also happens is that we can tell, let's say, emotional closures, withholds, traumas, stressors, overwhelm, when so more the kind of emotional um, body when we have a regular practice where we can tell a part of us that goes, this is not the right time for pleasure or previous negative experiences. Often what happens is um, people can be kind of oriented in their fantasy state when it comes to pleasure to people that they're no longer connected with. It makes them sad. It shuts their body down, you know, stuff like that. So we can also track emotional withholds, emotional closures, traumas, old memories, positive and negative, of course, old memories, um, and see what they do to our pleasure body. So that's the part of the practice where we're actually practicing pleasure and practicing, giving ourselves pleasure and practicing devotional, um, spiritual, um, you know, attention within pleasure. And then there is the physical, emotional, and mental um, support or, uh, you know, detraction that comes from our day and our life and our past and, you know, what's going to happen after that practice. So that's, that's what a practice should be. A good practice should give you indicators of what else needs to happen or how, how else can you work with it? Oh, that's very interesting. I'm wondering if someone was to embark on a pleasure practice, let's say, and you've said that it can be a range of activities and not necessarily explicitly sexual, although it could include that. Um, could you give a range of some examples of what people might start with um, across that across that whole spectrum? And also, what is a person likely to encounter when they begin or embark on that sort of a practice in their first few sessions? What are the first things they're likely to encounter? You know, 
possible possible roadblocks or you know learning curves that they may they may face in the initial stages yes let's start with practice with possible practice range right so first thing that we want to of course always say and you and i talk about this a lot right is that when we decide on practice it has to be a practice that can actually be done more often than not one of the big things that happens to people including myself on occasion is um you know just uh the ambition to do a lot and then it doesn't fit into life and so you know this is this has been evidenced in everything we've taught i also write about it in the wild woman's way right the, actually in the wild woman's way i'm mentioning that my teacher used to always say the best practice is the one you do and that's definitely a through line in everything we teach and certainly a through line i would recommend for anyone doing any kind of practice. It's not so important that it's, uh, you know, this big practice as it is important that it can be done often. So it's always small increments done often have a much, much, much bigger payoff than one long form practice once a week, right? So that's the first thing to be said. So we, sh we should start by saying, do something that you can actually do. So probably five, 10 minutes, not more than that, um, 15 maybe, uh, but something that really can be done. Then you can always decide to go longer. That's always an option. And also when there's more time uh, doing longer form practices. Uh, that's, that's a nice thing, particularly once the fact-finding part of the practice has begun where, um, you know, we can say, okay, well, I want to really go here and I need some more time for that, right? But uh, to, to begin with, let's say five, 10 minutes, maximum 15. Um, but for most people, that's already ambitious, right? On top of all the other things they do. And, uh, and in those five or 10 minutes, then there can be a range of things that can be done. So I'll start with the kind of the mildest, which sometimes is the hardest, interestingly enough, right? So even people who are really into whatever spiritual sex or tantra, whatever, sometimes have a real problem with this one uh, because it's so not within that frame of mind. And so the simplest one would be to actually give the body attention, um, you know, pleasurable attention in the form of touch, in the form of self-massage, in the form of finding some area that can be really sensitized and worked with. And so that's a practice all in itself, regardless if you want to go sexual afterwards or not. But for somebody who really needs to inch into pleasure practice, that's where one can start, which is taking some oil or some lotion, setting a timer and keeping on for 10 minutes giving pleasurable touch so that would be the simplest one then kind of an, a normal let's say sexual pleasure practice beginner would be 10 minutes of um, arousing and giving the body pleasure uh, practice in whatever ways uh, feels good so that could be breasts or genitals this is true for men and women right but um you know could be could be any let's say sexual um 
organ or a zone of arousal or a combination thereof uh, or a full body kind of pleasuring of the body for a certain amount of time. Um, that would be, you know, a good one. Then, of course, there is very specific practices within that where somebody might say, I think we have a question like that later about, um, you know, somebody who has a, a pleasure, who, who pleasures themselves in a very specific way. Let's say we're talking now about a woman, like clitoral, uh, you know, pleasure and once uh, let's say to have more internal pleasure, but doesn't know about that, right? So then maybe the pleasure practice would be to explore internally for 10 minutes areas that feel good or that can be aroused or just exploring internally to begin with, kind of mapping the area. Same is true um, if somebody, let's say, happens to ejaculate very quickly, then perhaps the practice would be to do mild stimulation, uh, you know, and not going too far or not going too fast and working with relaxation of the body or be in with a different posture or things of that nature. So that would be a good thing to say, okay, for 10 minutes a day, I'm going to pleasure myself um, in a way that I want to explore. I want to practice a different way of exploring pleasure. Or perhaps it's just for 10 minutes a day, I want to explore pleasure however I feel like it, right? But it, the important piece is that it has to be done within the 10 minutes, uh, meaning you can go longer, but you can't go shorter. That's the, that's the, that's the in interesting thing with pleasure is that we have these down-regulating um, mechanisms where when it gets too good or when we hit certain kind of bumps, trauma or boredom or uh, beliefs or shame, we want to kind of stop. So it can be either. It can be it's so good that it's like, ah, yeah, okay, let me just have an orgasm and move on. I don't have 10 minutes, right? Or, or oh, I, this is, this is, I, I can't go there, right? So the, the important piece is to stick with the minimum uh, duration. If that means you do nothing else but stroke your arm for five of the 10 minutes, then so be it, because it's a practice, right? And in that practice is then the fact finding. And then as the kind of, um, outer end, let's meaning, let's say somebody who has an established pleasure practice and wants to expand that, there is different ways to do it. One would be to add a very specific focused practice to, let's say, undo a contraction or to learn a very new skill within the experienced pleasure, but also um, to play with apt intensity or apt duration in that case, right? If somebody really wants to deepen into uh, from their existing practice. So those would be some pleasure practices. And like I said, it doesn't matter, um, you know, if, it, if, if we're talking um, localized or delocalized, the same things apply, right? You, you settle on something, you explore that. Then I think your next question was, what are some of the things you can encounter? Well, I essentially just answered that, but I want to say a bit more about that. One of the things one can encounter is actually an upper limit to much to how much pleasure one can allow, uh, you, you know, oneself to experience. So, or an upper limit to what the body can handle. 
And that's also where pleasure is very, um, pleasure practice is very useful, is to increase capacity for pleasure. So one of the ways that people kind of, um, um, you know, handle that is by having an orgasm, right? Where they just go, okay, let me get there as fast as I can. So I have that relief. Um, and there's nothing innately wrong with that. But if you want to have, let's say, longer and, and deeper experiences of pleasure, you might in that moment where you go, ah, I have to get there, just relax the body, relax, you know, the entire system, relax, particularly the base of the body, widen the heart, um, stop focusing on that one thing in the minds that you're fantasizing about to get there quickly and just kind of dissolve that, that intense focus. And with that, the pleasure will dissolve, but the container for the pleasure gets bigger ongoingly. So that's one thing that one might encounter. This is also very useful um, as, you know, uh, you can, you talk about this, you know, on occasion in our men's groups, you know, when, when we talk about men not wanting to ejaculate as quickly or not ejaculate at all or things of that nature. So one can actually practice that and practice a deeper capacity for more pleasure. The other thing is sometimes um, the pleasure gets so intense, people start kind of shutting off. They get distracted or busy or suddenly they're bored or they're like, ah, oh, this isn't good or, you know, like all kinds of things where uh, it's kind of down-regulated because of either lack of practice, lack of physical stamina, or there's something there. And so that can be explored in the practice. Is there something there? Is it some old memories? Is it something that somebody once said to, uh, you know, to you? Is it uh, some traumatic thing that pops up? Is it sadness? Uh, don't you want to feel that open? You know, is the heart closing down that closes the body down? Or um, sometimes the body gets very open, the heart closes down. So there's not a lot of feeling. It's all very mechanical. So those are things that one can encounter and that are good to notice. Another thing that can happen in a pleasure practice is that we hit lack of technical skill. Right, or lack of, of knowledge or, or education where we just don't know. And we don't know, I don't know, you know how, where the G-spot is or how would you stimulate two things at the same time or why does it feel that way or certain misconceptions. I think we'll do an episode on G-spot stuff and, and all of that, right? So certain misconceptions around squirting or not squirting or orgasms in general and, you know, sometimes people don't know that an internal orgasm doesn't follow the same pattern as a clitoral orgasm or that um, not ejaculating doesn't necessarily mean, um, you know, thinking of uh, subtractions and, and multiplications and squeezing something, but that you could actually have full body pleasure uh, and, and be there with somebody, right? Which is, there's all kinds of stuff there where people can learn how to be connected with a partner and still keep their body relaxed enough to not immediately have an orgasm and things like that. So all of that can be encountered in the practice where there's just not enough skill. And then that's a really good thing to notice. And then um, you can go and uh, you know get more skill either by 
uh, reading up or asking things or learning things. Also, sometimes uh, tools, right? Uh, meaning tools as in maybe you need lubricant, maybe uh, you'd be better off with, let's say, a wand or, you know, on any other sex toy because the tension in your body from exploring is such that it actually counteracts the pleasure you're feeling or things of that nature, right? So there's there's lots of tools, lots of knowledge, lots of skill specific information that can be learned that can also um, crop up in the practice. Oh, that's very interesting. One thing that I can imagine would be encountered would be, I just don't feel like it. You know, it comes, it comes to your scheduled time for, for this practice you're proposing and just not really, don't really feel like it. What, what, what about that kind of a situation? I'd say that probably happens more often than not, right? One thing that we didn't talk about, and this fits back into the spiritual practice as well, is that um, there's kind of a very interesting um, line of ritualizing and spiritualizing pleasure practice or not, right? So some ritualized um, beginning and end of a practice is always useful because it makes the entire system know that you are now in the realm of practice. So for instance, in nonlinear, right? When we, when we talk about nonlinear and practicing regular nonlinear, uh, what we're talking about is that having the, the mat in the same place um, and having the same beginning piece of music creates that kind of quick entry into the practice. And so uh, the same is true with a pleasure practice. So you can have like a set of uh, circumstances, a setup that immediately makes the body go, oh, we're here now. This is what we're doing. So having a designated space often helps or having a designated setup, having... Um, I have a, a very specific kind of a, a, a body oil I use um, in all kinds of different practices that when I smell it, my body immediately kind of relaxes and goes there. Or a certain part of, um, you know, of, of my practice room or things like that, things of that nature can really allow the body to arrive at the practice with uh, with kind of a bit of conditioning. So for that, a ritual is really good. Um, and that might mean that there's a big formal beginning uh, with, I don't know, people like to light a candle or set all their toys or tools up or whatever. It could be anything, could also be a specific kind of music. I would guard against making a big meal out of the spiritual aspect um, as a means of not... Um, bringing dogma into something in the body that's kind of a practice um, that that kind of gets installed, so to speak. And what I mean by that is um, pleasure, pleasure practice and everything that comes with it should be practiced in a way that you can then take it into your daily life. And so if you require some, you know, waving of 16 different incense sticks and, um, you know, a certain mantra and a this and a that and all of that for your body to open, that doesn't bode well for a quickie at 10 in the evening, or that doesn't bode well connecting with a partner um, that isn't maybe in on this, 
or even if they're in on it, it still disconnects you from that moment. So pleasure practice, even though it's somewhat ritualized in the very nature of a practice should be such that you can take these rituals into regular enjoyment of your of you know of sex of your partner if you have one of your body so that's the caveat but it is good to have some kind of a setup so that the i don't feel like it gets a little bit diminished the other thing is yeah you know, more often than not when we do a pleasure practice we don't feel like it because it's in the middle of the day, perhaps, or it's after a long day of work, or it's when you are already supposed to get started with work or things like that. That's why it's important. It's so short that you can go, yeah, I don't feel like it, but I can spend 10 minutes on this for the sake of having practiced the practice, even if I don't feel much. So that's important. The other thing, of course, is also to remember that very often the I don't feel like it is one of the reasons why we don't have as much pleasure or as much sex or as much connection in the sensual and sexual realm as we would like. So practicing going over the hump of the I don't feel like it in the body um, is useful. Now, I want to say one caveat. If the I don't feel like it is related to another person, um, we have to always you know, examine if the if the no is a no that comes from having to set a boundary, or if the no is a no from just feeling numb and not quite up for it, but basically you want to, right? So that's the differentiation, but having the skill set to be able to go, yeah, I don't feel like it, but you know what? It's, pleasure is good for my body. The practice is good for my body. I'm going to do it anyway is useful in that whole domain, particularly when that moment in the relationship occurs where there's that lull and where nobody feels like it anymore because it's yet another chore and it's not so exciting anymore and all of that, that having that muscle of going, yeah, I don't feel like it, but I'm going to do it is useful. Like it is with many other practices. People do cold plunges, right? People are really into cold plunges right now. Very few people feel like it first thing in the morning, but it's known that when you do it, you actually create that amazing resource in the body to do things and step in. And in the pleasure practice, that amazing resource to step in goes into the benefit of not only our aliveness in the body and our spiritual orientation, but also our relational orientation. So it's well worth doing as long as it's short enough that you can justify doing it regardless. Great. Yeah, we have many more questions on this theme. So I think we'll develop this in the next episode uh, and go further. But I did want to point out, we have a course about this on the website, MichaelaBohm.com called Awakening the Pleasure Body. And for the month of September, if you type in the code MBPODCAST, you will receive actually 20% off that course, Awakening the Pleasure Body. So if you do want to dig deeper into that, um, I recommend that course. It's really great. Then type in the uh, coupon code MB podcast and you will get 20% off. And I'm looking at some of the modules here. Module one, body awakening, bringing all systems online. Module two, releasing shame, explore and let go. Module three, sensual aliveness every day, engaging with life via the five senses. Module four, 
Desire and Creativity, Awakening Your Creative Genius. Module 5, Erotic Pleasure, Finding Your Unique Access and Expression. And Module 6, Expanding Your Capacity, Move Your Pleasure Threshold. Maybe you could say something about that course. It's a hack full of stuff. It's the guided exercises. There are lectures in there. There are Q and A's in there, etc. So maybe you could say something about that course, Awakening the Pleasure Body. Yeah. Well, that that course was developed for exactly the things we're talking about, uh, moving from the very much, very much, you know, kind of in the body mundane all the way to, you know, vast capacity for pleasure and erotic engagement. And the course is layered, so it can be done over six months. That's originally how it was created with practices in each module that then allow the next uh, month or the next set of practices to build on it. So that by the end of the course, the entire body, sensual, sexual, creative is alive. And there's uh, you know specific skills in each module uh, that are just then you know kind of installed in the body so yeah there's a lot in there it's very very packed um, there's in each month there is a lecture there's ritual there's practice there's uh, um, you know bonus material um, yeah it's a it's a pretty it's a pretty fun course actually yeah so if you are interested in digging deeper then go to michaelabohm.com and in the instant access course section, you can find that course, Awakening the Pleasure Body. Uh, put in the code MBPODCAST uh, for 20% off in the month of September. So, well, Michaela, what a fascinating episode. Thank you very much. Thank you, Steve. <laughs>